all right? We're starting a new mini-series today uh, about the end times, all right? And I've titled this series, What Time Is It? All right, can you look at your clock real quick, all right? Your, your clock, all right, she says right around 10.30, 10.31, all right? But that's not the time that I'm talking about, all right? I'm not talking, you know, what time is it on your clock, all right? I'm talking about what time is it in God's prophetic calendar, all right? And this is a, this series, mini-series is going to lead us right, okay, into, into Resurrection Sunday, which is so, so cool. I think that's what everyone wants to know. I think everybody, you know, it's in a time where they want to know what time it is because this is the important thing. Depending on what time it is, you do things different. I don't know if you've noticed that. I'm just going to give you a little example. If you're at home getting ready, uh, let's say to come to church and you still have two hours before you get here, you're relaxing, you know, there's not too much of a hurry, you know, you just walk around. If you're like my son, uh, it, man, when you look at slow, the definition on the dictionary, you'll see my son's picture getting up in the morning, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hello, you know, it's like, <laughs> I wish I had the biggest alarm clock to ring it next to him, you know, when it... Depending on how much time you have, you can like pace yourself. Now, if you have to get to a place at a certain time and you're running late, what happens? All of a sudden, you know, all madness breaks loose. You're just going through clothes and you can leave things on the bed and all bunch of shoes because you need to get to the place. You'll fix up everything when you get back. All right. But you're in a hurry. So time, okay, time is the one that carries us forward depending on if we need to do something or not. And if there's a lot of it available or not, the time. So we want to know today, what time is it? According to God, okay, I think everybody in this room is expecting the second coming of Jesus. I hope you are. Because I am expecting the second coming of Jesus. I can't wait to meet my Lord face to face. And that is a promise that we hold dear in the scripture. And we hold dear in our hearts. And even when people pass away, we tell them, hey, don't worry. You know, you could cry now, but there's a greater hope. Because we believe that that person is with Christ. That's a, the hope of our faith. And that's what we're going to celebrate on, on Easter, Resurrection Sunday. And today's message, I've titled it, Are These the Last Days? Oh, it's going to get interesting this morning, all right? I want you guys to take some notes because these are some very important things we're going to talk about today and next week. Are these the last days? That's a question that many people are asking right now. Many people are asking themselves, are these the last days, especially with everything that we're seeing around us happening, all right? And I want to tell you that this question got even stronger, all right, when the whole thing of COVID happened. When the whole thing of the pandemic happened, I think that, you know, people were like, oh my God, is this like one of the plagues that Revelation talks about? We, we hadn't gone through a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic in more than 100 years. So this is something that really like opened up the eyes of the people and like, okay, what, what's happening here? And last summer, I, I want to bring you up to, to, to that idea. Last summer, we were locked in at home, quarantined. 
and we're hearing all these news about, about COVID and hospitals being uh, filled to capacity and people dying and, and not having place to put all the bodies of the people that were dying. You remember hearing all those stories? And then you would continue looking and then you would see uh, news of all these fires in California and the West Coast and the West Coast of our nation is up in flames and they can't control it. And, and then we had the most named storms Okay, in history in the Atlantic Ocean last year during the summer. All right, which actually I, I wrote this down because it was interesting. 13 became hurricanes and six of them were hurricanes of more than 111 miles per hour. A lot of those hit Louisiana and Texas, which was crazy. So as we were looking into all these things, you know, you were saying, are these the last days? And I'm not even going to talk about when we looked at the political platform that was set up and everything that was going on. It definitely looked like the last days, you know what I'm saying? So it, it got crazy. And, and there's a picture. Canela, do we have the picture? Or Marilyn, we have the picture back there. Look at this picture. that, Because in January 27 of this year, 2021, all right, there's this picture of this thing called the Doomsday Clock. And it's actually here in the United States in Chicago, all right, the Doomsday Clock. Listen to this. It's an installation housed at the University of Chicago's Harris School of Public Policy. And it's one of the most recognizable symbols of impending apocalypse. All right? It's like a little scary as we're looking. Look at these guys standing back here. Listen to this. It remains set at its closest time ever to the metamorphical demise of humanity, a hundred seconds to midnight. On January 27th of this year, the day after my birthday, baby, I got a little scared when I wrote that, you know. They're saying that we're closest to midnight. And what does that mean when it hits midnight? That is the end. And that's what these people, these guys are not Christians, all right? This is a secular university. And they're saying that we're seconds away from hitting midnight. All right, you could take their pictures out because I'm kind of scared with those two looking at me as I'm preaching, you know. Listen to what this report says. One third of people in America, okay, are tying up the events that are going on with what Scripture and the Bible says about the end times. One third of the people in our nation, all right, are tying up all these things. So what does the Bible say about this? Well, I want to let you know that one out of 30 verses in the Bible speak about the return of Christ or the end times. One out of 30 verses. More than 300 references in the New Testament are about the return of Christ or the end times. Now, 23 out of 27 books of the New Testament, they speak about the end times. 23 out of 27 books. They have some sort of mention of Christ returning or, or the end. And even the disciples asked Jesus about this. The disciples gathered Jesus up and they go to him, Jesus, are we in the last days? And I want you to come with me to Matthew 24, verse 3. Matthew 24, verse 3. Man, I got everybody's attention today. You just started talking about this. Everybody's paying attention. Hope you guys at home are too. Matthew 24, verse 3, and it says this. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, 
his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all these things happen? And what signs will signal your return and the end of the world? So these are the questions that the disciples had. They, had, they wanted to know when, okay? And they wanted to know what. What was going to trigger these events? What was going to cause all these things to happen? Matthew 24 Okay, it's called in the Bible, the, the, the Discourse of the Mount of Olives is one of the most beautiful uh, speeches given about Jesus. And this discourse is about the end times. All Matthew 24, you could actually go home and you could read it or tonight uh, before going to bed. You're going to sleep nice and tight. All right. Uh, and you read that before going to bed. All right. And he, Jesus is talking about the end of the world. He's talking about how everything is going to come to an end. Now, I want you to pay attention to something. Jesus does not tell us when. So when we ask the question, are these the last days? You know what's the answer? I don't know. Maybe. It could be. It looks like it can be. But we, we can't say for certain. I want to tell you this, though. This is very interesting. I just said that out of 27 books in the New Testament, 23 talk about the end. This is something very interesting. Everything that they said that had to be fulfilled has been fulfilled already in those 23 books. So in other words, at any moment, the father could look at the son and say, okay, son, it's time to go back. You imagine that? Any moment. It could happen at any moment. Now, however... Every generation since the resurrection of Christ has thought that they are that generation. And a lot of time has passed since Jesus resurrected. And every generation, even in the Bible, all right, Paul has to write First and Second Thessalonians. You can read those two books. Because the people of those churches in Thessalonica, they thought they had stayed behind. All right. They thought that they were on their own, that all the Christians had already left, you know, and that they're the ones that, oh, my God, they forgot about us. You know what I'm saying? Isn't it bad when you're on the outside looking in, you know, <laughs> it's horrible. You know, I remember when I, I was young, I didn't drive, so I had to depend on people giving me rides. And I used to call them like a bunch of times to make sure they would pick me up because it would one day, you know what I'm saying? These friends of ours, bro, they got to the place. And all of a sudden, nobody, I mean, 20 minutes late, 30 minutes late, 40 minutes late, and they never showed up. And back then, it wasn't phones. You had to beep them. You, re, you guys remember the beepers? You know, when you like somebody, you put one, four, three. You know what I'm saying? You remember those days? Come on now. I mean, you guys acting like, no, I don't know what that is. <laughs> young people are like, a beep what? A beeper, all right, a beeper. We're going to actually bring one of those relics one day over here. And I had to beep one of my boys. And I'm like, hey, man, what happened? He's like, oh, my God, we forgot to go get you. I'm like, bro, you better get your stuff and get over here. Because I've been waiting. It's, it's horrible to feel that you've been left behind. And that's what these people in the church of Thessalonica. And Paul has to write them two letters to let them know, hey, relax. Jesus hasn't come back yet. And don't worry, when he comes back, you guys are going to be part of those that he's going to gather with him. So it's okay. All right? So... It's important to understand, all right, that our generation 
okay, our generation is seeing some things now like never before. We're seeing fulfillment of Scripture. For example, Matthew 24, verse 14. Come with me right there. Same uh, chapter, just verse 14. Look what Jesus says here. He says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it. And then the end will come. So listen to this. What is going to trigger the end coming? The preaching of the message of the kingdom. So it's not an event. Pay attention. It's a message. The message is what's going to trigger the coming of Jesus. And what message is that? It's the message, the preaching of the kingdom of God. Now, when he says here that the whole world, okay, all nations will hear it. Pay attention to this, okay? The word nations there is the word ethnos. And it's talking about ethnic groups. It's not talking about geographical places. This is important, okay? Because, for example, in India, there's more than 2,000 ethnic groups. In China, there's more than 2,000 ethnic groups, all right? So, for example, there's 193 geographical nations in the world, but that's not what Jesus was referring to. Jesus was referring to, to all the ethnic groups that are around the world to hear the message. You know how many ethnic groups, okay, are according right now to studies, missionary uh, organizations that do these type of studies? More than 12,000 ethnic groups. And all those need to hear about Jesus. All those need to hear about Jesus. Right now, the Bible is being translated into so many languages, which is amazing. The Bible is being preached to so many people that it's amazing. So what did Jesus say about this? He said the message of the kingdom will be preached and then the end will come. I really believe that the message of the gospel is being preached now like never before. For example, through technology. Isn't that amazing? Before, the way that we did it before is that there had to be a missionary to go over to a place and that missionary had to prepare himself and leave his family and go. But today, through the internet, there's people that are watching us from a lot of different places. Hello, everybody, you guys that are watching there. You know, during COVID time, okay, it was crazy. We were having... 1,500, 1,600, one day around, I think it might have been around Resurrection Sunday, it was like about 2,600 connections. There were people writing us from the Philippines, from Indonesia. Who told those people about Numa? I have no idea. But you know what happens? Today, technology is allowing us to get the message of God out in such a mighty and powerful way. And even in countries where they are close to the gospel, you know what happens through this? The message is getting out. And God is speaking to them. I remember I was speaking to a missionary. He's a missionary in Iran. And Iran is one of the most close countries that there is. They're opposed to the gospel. They catch you preaching the gospel, you're going to jail. It may cost you your life. And you know, I was talking to some pastors and they're like, they, they were telling me, they got into this discussion of how when you preach, you need to use your Bible. And you shouldn't be using an iPad or a phone and, you know, this whole discussion. And this missionary was there. And he goes, well, I want to tell you guys something. I want to tell you what a blessing the Bible has been on the phone. Because in Iran, where I'm at, 
If they catch you with a Bible, they'll just take you to jail and you could die. They'll confiscate all that. But in your phone, they don't know what you're looking at. And they don't know what you're reading. So what we're doing is that we're sharing all those Bible apps and everybody has their phone. So everybody now has a Bible accessible to them and they don't even know it. Isn't that powerful? And that's what technology is allowing us to do nowadays, to preach the word of God, to, to get it out of there. So there's a lot of these things that are being fulfilled even in our eyes, in our time. Now, the main scripture that we're going to be reading this morning is in 2 Peter. This is going to be our main text today. 2 Peter, chapter 3. And we're going to be breaking down verse 3 through 10. We're going to look at some stuff that is here very interesting. 2 Peter 3, verse 3 through 10. Are you guys here with me? You guys are not getting scared? You guys have not been left behind, okay, Numa Church? You guys are good? Jesus has you on his mind, all right? And me and all of us. 2 Peter 3, 3. Look what it says. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, in what days? The last days, okay, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? In other words, they're going to make fun of us. They're like, hey, you've been waiting around for 2,000 years and he hasn't come. Maybe he forgot about you. You know, they will say, what happened to the promise? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forgot that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and that he brought the earth out from water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They're being kept for the day of judgment, when ungodly people will be destroyed. Now pay attention to verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a, like a day. Oh my God. So hold on a second. If one day is like a thousand days to the Lord, and a thousand days like a thousand days is like one to God, so what in the world? You know, how do I even figure what time it is? Well, some Jewish scholars did some thinking for us. And I think that this is very interesting, all right? Because look at look at what they said. Okay, they said that the earth is gonna last seven days. Seven days. And you might be like, well, Pastor, uh, hello. We've been here for a, a, quite some more time than seven days. Listen to what they say. That every 1,000 years is one day, according to that. All right? And that it will last 7,000 years. Between Adam and Jesus, there was 4,000 years. Between Adam and Jesus. Between Jesus and us, how many years? 2,000 years. We're already at 6,000. All right? So according to them, we're between the sixth day and the seventh day. Now, pay attention. You might be like, oh, man, that, then we have a lot of time. That means that we have like a thousand years still left, according to that. Well, not exactly. They further that, that discussion, and they say that the last thousand years 
are the millennial reign of Christ here on earth. So in other words, if the last thousand years is the millennial day of Christ and we're in the sixth day, that means that it could be at any moment. We might be in the last hours. We might be in the last days according to what these people are saying. So the question is, are we in the last days? I don't know. But it could be. Even the walkie-talkies talking back there, you know what I'm saying? It's like, look at verse 9 right there where we're reading. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9 and 10. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise. As some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. Pay attention to this. This is beautiful. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So why is the Lord taking long? For our sake. Because He doesn't want anybody to be destroyed. He wants people to repent and come to Him. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. When the heavens, I'm sorry, then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very element themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Okay, so we're not going to answer when because as you see, we can't answer when it all ends. But according to this, what we know that Peter's saying, there's three things. One, write this down, please. Number one, people are going to be distracted with life. People are going to be distracted with life. That's what he says. That they're going to be following their own desires. That's what he said right there. They're going to be going after their own desires. They're going to be distracted. Question is here, those that were here this morning, those that are watching online, how many of us are focused on this world only and how many of us are focused on the eternal? Because this world could just grab our attention like you have no idea. And without wanting it, for all you think, you could be living every day just for this and doing zero for eternity. And that's what Peter's saying here, that the people are going to be distracted in the last days. I want to tell you something. I can't answer if we are in the last days. I cannot answer that. But I can answer, okay, that it is your last days and mine last days. Is our last days. Why? Because life is short. And no matter if you're here and you're young and you're like, yeah, you're saying that, Pastor, you're already past your 40s. You know what I'm saying? That's why you're saying that. No. I want to tell you that James in the Bible says that our life is like a mist that is here today and gone tomorrow. Jesus talks about how brevity our life is. It's quick. Things pass by super fast. And I want to tell you something. We're just passing by. We're just passing by. Don't get too comfortable with this world. When you go on a trip, okay, you usually put all your stuff in a luggage. You put everything in a bag. All right? You're not planning to be in that hotel room or that resort for too long. Maximum, you're maybe there a week, 10 days. But you know what? At the end of the day, you know that you're packing, but you're going back home. Well, I want to tell you something. Don't get too comfortable here in this world. Don't make too much of it because we're just passing by. 
pack light. Don't be too distracted with everything. Don't get too anxious. Don't get too frustrated. Don't have a heart attack over the things that are going on around you. If you're having a hard time maybe paying the rent, hey, relax. You know what? Seek the kingdom first and everything else is going to be added onto you. Trust God in the midst of the situation you're going through. Don't be pulling your hairs because Jesus says, who's going to add even one hour to their life by worrying? You understand? So this brings us to, 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 to I guess, to sort of like, you know what? It's okay. Let me focus my eyes on the eternal. Let me focus my eyes on what really matters. Matthew 24, verse 37 through 39. Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like in the day of Noah. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So what is Jesus making reference to? The distraction. People were just going to be completely distracted, not even paying attention. Now, the second thing that we could read here from what Peter says, number one, Okay, we just said that, that the people are going to be distracted with life. Number two, they're going to forget about God. The people are going to forget God. There's a generation, according to Scripture, right before Jesus comes, that they're going to be completely away from the Lord. Let me give you a quick report of what's happening around our world even right now as we speak, all right? So, for example, I was saying that the gospel is being preached like never before, using technology, missionaries, different things like that. I want to let you know that in China, for example, okay, there's 35,000 people, over 35,000 people, okay, daily that are receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior. You imagine that? 35,000 people daily receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior. The population in China, okay, is of 1.3 billion people. That's 7.8 of the population is coming to Christ in China. That is amazing. Now, in the United States, all right, many people say that Christendom is going down. Other people say that Christianity in the United States has just flatlined, you know, and that nothing is happening. Thank you for the lights. All right. Now, I'm going to give you the numbers. I have them here, okay? And you numbers people, you guys are going to enjoy this, all right? Between the people that were born in 1927, okay, and 1945, all right, 65% of those people were Bible-believing Christians. 65% of those born between 1927 and 1945. Of those that were born between 1946 and 1964, all right, 35% of them were Bible-believing Christians. Now, that's an important generation. You know why? Because that's the generation that is governing our world right now. Those that were born between 46 and 64, those are the people that are governing and making decisions for us. Okay, 35% of them say that they're Bible-believing Christians here in this nation. 
Between those that were born in 1965 and 1983, I fall in that category, all right, 16% say that they're Bible-believing Christians. I don't know if you see a pattern that is taking place here. All right, you ready to buckle your belts? Between those that were born between 1984 and right now, only 4% say that they're Bible-believing Christians. And this is what I want to tie it into. If you think that things are looking crazy in our nation now, when it's being governed by 35% that say that they're Bible-believing Christians, how will our nation look 20 years from now when it's governed by those that only 4% say that they're Bible-believing Christians? I haven't heard this silence since this building was empty this morning. <laughs> That's the reality of a generation falling away from God. That's why in this church, one of our core values is generational mentality. And that's why we're so big on working with our youth and with our children and with the school, Pastor Respi. That's why this is so critical because those, these numbers don't lie. And if we don't get them while they're young and instill in them the fear of God and the love of God, it's not going to happen later on. This is the moment. That's why we want to do a basketball court. That's why we want to do these soccer things. We're going to get this thing filled with young people. Even today in our home. At my house today, I'm inviting our basketball team. Out of the basketball team, I think three, four of us know the Lord. The rest of the kids and the parents do not. And I've been praying and I've been asking the Lord, Lord, today give us the opportunity to share with these families and these people who the Lord is. Because this, this, this is crazy. This is crazy. These are crazy numbers. People are going to forget God. Why? Matthew 24, verse 12. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. Aren't we seeing that right now? Are we seeing the love of people growing cold? The way people are treating each other? It's crazy what's going on in our world. Just look at the news and, and, and it's so sad. So I want to tell you something. According to Scripture, we need to be awake. And we need to be paying attention, guys. We need to be paying attention. We need to be awake. Coming back to what Peter's saying, first, people are going to be distracted. Okay? Number two, there's going to be a falling away, a falling away. Okay? And number three, the people are not going to be prepared. The people are not going to be prepared. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 24, verse 40 through 42. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at a mill. One will be taken and the other left. So you two must keep watch. What does Jesus say? You two must keep watch. What do we need to do? We need to keep watch. What time is it? Hey, I don't know, but we need to keep watch. We need to pay attention. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. So I want to say it to you like this. We don't know exactly when is the end of all things. We don't know exactly when it is. 
But you know what? It's the end of our days. It's the end of our days. So you know what? Let's make our life count. Let's make our life count while we're here on earth. Every minute that we're here on earth, every day, every week, let's make our life count. Your last days, make them count. 1 Thessalonians 5.2 says like this, For you know quite well the day of the Lord's return. The Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. The people are not ready when the thief comes, guys. If the people were ready, the thief will never come. You'll be waiting for them with a shotgun, you know. The thief comes when you are not expecting. And that's the way that the day of the Lord will come. So these are some closing thoughts that I want to give you because this is very important. I want, to, I, I want to wrap this up in a practical way for you this morning. In these last seven minutes... I, I want you to understand that you and I don't need to understand. We don't need to know what time it is. That's, we, we, don't, we really don't need to know that. But what we need to know is what to do with our time. We don't need to know what time it is. We need to know what to do with our time. Okay, because our time is counted here on earth and is precious and you're not getting it back. Okay, the time that you have is what's been allotted to you, and that's what you have and what you have to go with. And look at what 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32 says. Scripture in the Old Testament. 1 Chronicles 12, 32. It says, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. So there were a little bit more than 200, all right? All these men, if they were Hispanic, maybe it was about 5,000 right there. But it says 200, all right? Leaders and their tribes and their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times. What did they understand? The signs of the times. And knew the best course for Israel to take. We want to be like the sons of Issachar. We want to understand the times so that we know what's the best course to take. The best decisions to make. The way that we could use our life in the best way possible. The Bible doesn't tell us, okay, if, if, if these right now are the last days. But it tells us, okay, how our life should look if we're living in the last days. And I want to close with 1 Peter 4.7. 1 Peter 4.7. He says this, the end of all things is near. The end of what? Of all things is what? Is near. The end of all things is near. And then he shares four therefores. There's four therefores that appear here because the end of all things are near. In other words, Guys, do these things because the end is near. What are those? Number one, it says here, all right, that we should pray. It says here, therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. That first therefore that appears here is to be alert and of sober mind. I want to tell it to you like this, all right, write it down. I must think clearly. I must think clearly. You guys at home, write that down. I must think clearly. 
You know that according to all these surveys, 62% of Americans believe in the second coming of Christ. 62 believe in the second coming of Christ. But only 8% say that they're ready for the second coming. So hold on a second. 62 believe in the second coming, but only eight are getting ready. <laughs> it's like, well, hello. It's like, what are you, what are you, what's the rest doing? You know what I'm saying? What's the other 56% doing? You know? We got to live with this reality in mind. Okay? So that our lives could reflect it. We got to live with this, with this idea. All right? We got to think clearly. The Bible says here so that we could be of sober mind and we could do what? We could pray. We could pray. We need to, what the Bible is saying here, hey, think clearly and be in relationship with God. Be in prayer. Be in constant relationship with him. As you see these days turning like this, let me tell you something. If you and I are not holding to God in the midst of all this craziness, we're going to be swept away. Jesus said it like this, will the Son of Man find faith when he returns to earth? What does that mean? We're going to be shaken. Things are not going to get any better. All right? If you're waiting for the golden days of America to come, <laughs> they're in the past. They're not getting better. We need to hold on to God. We need to be in prayer. We need to be of sober mind. We must think clearly. Number two, we must focus on relationships. We must focus on relationships. Right there, 1 Peter 4, verse 8 and 9. He says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So what is he talking about? He's talking about relationships. He's talking to focus on people as we see the end coming. Don't focus so much on the material thing. And isn't it funny that today we're so focused on everything else and we got a social distance. Don't focus too much on people. Focus on all these things. No, the Bible's saying we got to focus on people. Because I have some news for you. Eternity is going to be filled with people. Actually, there's two things that last forever. The Word of God and you know what? The souls of people. Nothing else is going to last forever. Okay? God's Word and the souls, people. So let's focus on people. That's why at NUMA we're so big about our small groups and building community and building relationship. And that's what church needs to be about. We need to uphold and sustain one another. We need to encourage one another. As we see the day drawing near, the Bible says, encourage one another. And if you're here and you're not part of our small groups, man, what are you waiting for? You need to join. You need to be part of those small You need to build relationships. This Christian life was not meant for you and I to do it alone. We were meant to do life in relationship. So fix your relationships. If you have broken relationships, fix your relationships. Focus on relationships. Number three, we should mark a difference. As we see the day drawing near, we should make a difference. Make a difference. Verse 10 and 11, right there in 1 Peter 4. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If one speaks, he should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If one serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides. 
so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. With this scripture saying, each of us have received the gift. Each of us have a talent. Each of us have a spiritual gifting that God has given us. You know what? Use it. We need it. Build the body. Reach people through your gifting. And you might be hearing, you're like, oh, pastor, no, I'm, I'm really insignificant. My parents told me I was insignificant. My husband says I'm insignificant, you know, and I haven't really mattered much in life. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you matter greatly. The Bible says that you have a unique gift given to you by God to make a difference in this world. I'm going to say it to you like this. I'm never going to get tired of saying this. You bring something to this world that this world desperately needs. You bring it. We need it, guys. Don't just sit around and let the days go by. No. Be quick in discovering what your gift is. And put it to the service of God. And this is where I take my moment to speak to you about growth track. Because yes, it is designed to help you discover your gifting so that you walk in that design. I don't come up here every week talking to you about a growth track and certain steps just because Pastor Chris has nothing else to speak about. <laughs> you know? No. You are unique in God's eyes. You know, I was teaching my, my young son the other day, Jeremy. We're reading the Bible and I was reading to him. My favorite psalm, Psalm 139. And I was telling to, talking to him and telling him how his fingerprints are unique. And I told him, out of your fingerprints, nobody in the history of the world has had your fingerprints. So he started looking at his little hand. You know what I'm saying? He goes, for real, Daddy? I'm like, for real, Papi. Nobody's ever had your fingerprints. You know what? You are uniquely made. And you know what? This world needs that. So let's give it our all. Let's discover that purpose and let's go after it. And let's tell the Lord, Lord, you know what? As these days are drawing near, I want to make a difference with my life. It is my dream as the pastor of Numa Church that all you guys would discover your purpose. That all you guys would discover your purpose and that you would serve people with that and make a difference in this world. So today, as we close this message, we need to make all the difference that we can because the days are bad and they're getting worse. What time is it? I don't know, but I think it's really close. We need to preach the message of God. We need to build strong relationships and we need to keep evil out that is trying to constantly come at your heart. And maybe you're going through a situation today that has brought pain into your life. Maybe you're heartbroken today. And you know what that is? That's like a dart from the enemy that will just come to try to break you. And to try to take your focus off the things of God and, and to bring hurt and, and, and all these things and make you invalid in the kingdom of God. And today as I'm finishing, I feel that I got to target this. And you might be watching through that camera. You might be in this room. But you know what? It's time to shake off whatever the devil brought your way to try to make you invalid in the kingdom. And it is a time to run and go after God. This is a time where you say, Lord, nothing is going to stop me. Man, you designed me for greatness. I'm going after it.
I want you to close your eyes right there where you're at. I really feel the Holy Spirit upon this that I'm saying right now.